And that's what the Word of God should do to our hearts. Praise the Lord. Are you here for the Word of the Lord? I ask it every Sunday. But that's why we need to be here. It's for the Word of the Lord. Not to listen to a man standing up there and talking. It's God who needs to speak to our hearts today. And we are busy studying through the book of James. And he, man, he's dealing with us. I said it with the book of Revelation when we preached through that. That the word of God is tough. And you've got to be a tough Christian to take the word of God. It takes a man and a woman of God to listen to the word of God and then to apply it to their lives. It takes that from them. And as I said, there's all of these uh, messages is online. We've got video recordings of them, so if you want to catch up, please do go online and you can listen to them. We are in part 7 of James as we work through the book of James, verse by verse. And we're talking about spiritual maturity. How to grow up as a child of God. How to live this life as a child of God. How do we do that? It's, it's the famous phrase that people say, I am saved, so what? Am I saved just to sit here in church and to sit here with my smiling face and make people feel good? No. I'm saved to grow and then to do what? To preach the gospel, to make disciples. That is what we are ought to do, each one of you. Not only the pastor, not only the person who preaches, each one. And you don't have to become a preacher. Oh, I'm so afraid to talk to people. I'm not going to ask you to come up here and preach to people. If God calls you, He will let you do that. But it's that one-on-one -on -one engagement with a person that you meet. It is when they're in a difficult time, in that small little influence fear where you are, where I will never in my life be able to enter. Because those people trust you, you carry within you the light of Christ, and you can bring to them the message of Christ. That's how he intended it to do. It was so wonderful to hear about preachers going into stadiums, and, and by the throes people gave their hearts to the Lord, and God uses that. But friend, I've seen it in my life where he uses one-on-one, -on -one, one person dealing with one person, and that's how he did it. He called 12 disciples one by one, didn't he? And then what did he do? They had to mature. He took them three years with Jesus, and then what did he do? Did he say, go and build a mega church and get stinking rich? No. He made them disciples, they matured, and then He sent them out. He sent them out all over. How wonderful is that? And James is now dealing with us. Through James, the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts. And every week we finish the sentence, a mature Christian is today a peacemaker. Not a pacemaker, you know what the difference is? A pacemaker is something you put in there to keep your heart clicking. No, no, he's a peacemaker. There's a difference. A mature Christian is a peacemaker. And today he's going to talk about something which touches every single person in this room. Look at verse 1. That's your key verse. He says, where do wars and fights come from? Wow, that's a good question, isn't it? If you ask the people today in the world, they'll bring the psychologist out. They'll write books about this. 
they'll try to digest it, pull it apart. They try to blame one upon the other. They'll even go back into your history. They'll say your relationship with your mom and your dad and your brothers and your sisters wasn't good. That's why you are the way you are today. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to say they're wrong, but this is what I'll say. That's fine if it was like that, but that's why you need Jesus Christ now to change it forever. Easy as that. Don't dig in the past. Look for the future. And that's what they do. Here he asks a straightforward question. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Two applicable things you can put to this. One, that a war in your members, that is your members in the church. And secondly, your members inside of you. I'll get to that. He's talking about fights here. Good old fights amongst people. This is what he's going to address today. Like I said before, James is in our face. He's a mirror. So we look into the Bible and we say, what does this mirror reflect back to us? It reflects the image of the Son of God. He is a peacemaker. So this morning as we look into the mirror and we say, mirror, mirror, in my hands, what does peace look like? You know what image is going to show us? Come on, you tell me. Come on. It's going to show me Jesus Christ. Now I need to then adapt myself to the image of Christ, not the other way around. We don't change the Bible now to fit in with what I say. We fit in with what the Bible says. Mirror, mirror in my hands, the Bible of God, the Word of God. The word they wars and fights means disputes. It means arguments or quarrels. Have you had some in your life? <laughs> is there anybody who didn't have a quarrel in his life or a fight? This is part of our every day. And he's addressing that today. It reminded me of this story. It's not a story, it's an actual fact. Who knows what Christ of the Andes is? Oscar will know this. Christ of Andes is this little statue. You see that? And that statue there is on the border of Chile and Argentina. That's where that statue is. And this statue was, a they put it together actually as a treaty between these two nations to say that we will not fight each other and when we come to the statue we'll see at that statue and then we will not have a fight. So both these countries, am I right uh, Oscar? So they both came together and they said look let's build the statue on the border. But the problem was that when they built it that the back of the statue showed towards Chile and the front of the statue showed towards Argentina. So the Chileans were up in arms. They go, what's going on here? You're giving us the back of Christ. And you've got the face of Christ. Can you see how quickly an argument can start? Here they are. They're signing treaties and they're signing peace agreements and they say, let's build something tangible to show us all that we are in harmony. But would you think they would build a thing to look down the border and on both sides? No, no. They build it to this side. 
and war was imminent to happen. Oh, well, conflict. It's when a really clever Chilean came out and he said, no, 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 you've got to understand that they put the face towards Argentina because he needs to keep a watch over Argentina. And that settled it. True story. But you see how quickly arguments start about small, trivial things. And this man was a peacemaker. So he says, where does this come from? First of all, he addresses the person. He says, it comes from your desires. You see the word there? That is the word lusts. The definition for lust is to satisfy self at the expense of others. That is what lust is. Now, James continues on now, and he gives us three wars that are raging. And you will find each one of the wars that you are fighting is part of those three. Let's first read through the passage. James chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to read all the way to verse 12. And then we will unpack it. Verse 1, he says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight a war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulteress and adulteresses, do you not know, listen, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Whoever wants to become a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You notice that he didn't say fight the devil. I'm just, I shouldn't go there. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, your sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. What will he do? You read it there. First you humble yourself in the sight of God and what will happen? He will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law, that talks about the word of God, the written word of God, and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's a difference. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? He makes a very compelling argument here. Let the word sink in. He's speaking to real people here. Where does these wars come from? It comes from us. There's three wars. 
James tells us that's raging in the world today. That's all I'm going to tell you today. He also tells us how to stop these wars. And it's in that passage we've read. The first war is the war with each other. Each other. People. James chapter 4 verse 1. He says, where do these wars and fights come from? And then he says, from among you. He's talking to the church. Let's not forget that. When he speaks here, he's writing to the church. Back in his day, there was wars. There was fights in the church. Oh, but goodness, it's great that it only happened then, isn't it? No, it's still happening. It's still happening in churches today, in families. He says this is happening amongst you as wars. Brother against brother, sister against sister, moms against children, and children against fathers, and it's all over. It's, it's fights that's going on. James chapter 4, verse 11, he says, Do not speak evil of one another. So it's happening. It's not as if you're going to get into a church and you find a perfect church. I've heard somebody said it one day. They said, I'm looking for the perfect church. I said, well, keep on looking. The only one thing that's perfect in the church is Jesus Christ. He says, you speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother judges his brother. Speaks evil of the Lord judges the law. Not only do you speak evil, but you judge each other. And this is what's happening. But it ought not to be so. If we listen to what the psalmist writes, fellowship should be refreshing. How wonderful is it then that he writes down in Psalm 133 verse 1, when he says, Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. Have you experienced that in your life? I have. How wonderful is it when brothers and sisters come together at church and man, they bless one another. They come in and they hug one another with a heavenly hug and a godly and they are interested in one another. This is what the psalmist says. There's only three verses in that psalm. Three verses. One verse says, it should be refreshing like the oil that Aaron was anointed and it runs down. The refreshing oil of the Lord should be in our midst as a church. That's refreshing, the anointing of God. Are you experiencing the anointing of God when you come to church? Listen to me. If you say, oh no, that church is dead, then I'm asking, what are you bringing? Because you ought to bring the Holy Spirit in you to church. But they didn't do it back in James's day to the church. What did they bring in? Within them, they carried into the church this arguments, the spirit of fights. It ought to be refreshing. You ought to come with the blessing of God. Listen, Jesus said, when He told to His disciples, He said, I'll pray the Father and He'll give you another helper. Who was that? The Holy Spirit. And where was the Holy Spirit going to be? In your suitcase? Are you carrying Him around like a suitcase and you put Him down and then you do your stuff and then you carry the cushion? No, no. He's not in a suitcase, friends. He's in you. This is what we ought to bring. Then, in that second verse of that, of that psalm, he says it's like the oil that runs down, the anointing. Friend, listen to me. The anointing of, if you want to make friends, don't read the book to influence and make friends. No, no. Get the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will draw people to you. I've seen it. Not only in church, but in your workplace. People will come to you and say, I just can't get it. What's it about you? You shine. 
These troubles come your way, but you shine. You always smile. And we've looked at you. It's not a fake smile. You see, it's refreshing that needs to come. The, the third verse in that psalm, go and read it. I purposely didn't put it in there because I want you to go and read it. The third verse in there, is, it says it's like water, refreshing water that runs down a mountain. And when he spoke about it, he was talking about the snow on the top of the mountain. When they melt, that sweet water runs down the mountain. It's refreshing. That's how churches ought to be. But not so. Not so here. But this is no new news for us. It's right through the Bible there were fights going on. Who remembers Abraham and Lot? Who remembers them? Who remembers that they had a fight? The herdsmen had a fight about where they herd. And what did Abraham say? He said, look, you choose where you'll go. You choose first and I'll go. The other direction. There was fights going on then amongst them. Right through the Bible. We found it even with the disciples. They said, who's going to sit at his right and left hand side? I'm better than you. Where did he say that wars come from? Your own desires. It happened to the disciples as well. So don't sit here this morning and go, Oh, I'm so bad. No, it happened to them as well. And, and who would remember the church in Corinth? They had so much fights in the church in Corinth. Paul addresses them in the letters about the infighting that happened in the church. In Galatians, listen to this, in Galatians chapter 5, he even writes to them, he says, do not eat each other. They were eating each other. Now, they were not cannibals, okay? You, you know what happened? After church, they went home and they had, they had bread for lunch. You know how it means? Everybody just talked about bread over lunch. They were eating their stuff, but they were eating bread as well. Sorry, brother, I just picked on you this morning, but you understand. <laughs> and here it is. They had fights as well, and it shouldn't have been like that. So, in this church, there were a few wars going on. There were class wars. Remember James chapter 2, when they talked about the cliques, they said, a man comes in, a rich man with rings on his fingers, and what did the church do? They say, oh, you come and sit in the best seat here at the front. Another poor man walks in, what do they say? Now you just go and slide down there on the ground. You don't even get a seat. There were these kinds of fights going on in the church. It still happens today in churches. Not only that, there were employment wars going on. We're going to get to that when we study to chapter 5. There were some of these people in church who didn't pay their labors, their, their staff, their money. And they were fighting amongst each other about that. Not only that, there were church fights, straightforward, James chapter 3. Everyone wanted to be teachers. Just a few weeks ago I preached about that. Everybody wanted to show everybody what to do. So there were these fights going on, and then, and then there were these personal fights. James chapter 4, they were speaking evil and judging each other. It's a real thing. Now Christians ought to speak the truth in love, the Bible says. Not fight. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14, that we should no longer be children. You see, children do these things. I love it when he contrasts it about it. He says, no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. But now he says, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. 
may grow up in all things in Him who is the head Christ. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 8, And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Now it doesn't mean that if you see your brother do something wrong, which is sinful, what does the Bible say we should do? Matthew 18, you go to the brother one on one, and you talk to the brother about it. It doesn't say that you need to compromise now, your stand that you're standing on. You shouldn't compromise. This is not what James is saying. James is talking about evil talking about each other because of selfish desires. He says, this church is fighting amongst its others. That's the first war that's going on. And the fight is people with each other. Then, we see that we fight each other because we are at war with ourselves. That's the second war he's talking about. First one is about people. People fighting people. Secondly, he says we're at war with ourselves. That's where the problem lies. Oh, the psychologists, they sit ready now. They go, yeah, 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 that's right. That's why we're in business. But we can put them out of business if you stand on the Word of God. James chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Where do wars and fights come from amongst you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? He's talking now about what's inside of you. That's the war that's raging inside of you as a person. And would you believe there's a lot of people who's got this war? I've met a lady in New Zealand once, and she was just telling me about all of the fights she had with her children. She had fights with people. Man, she would go to the supermarket and have a fight with them about some trivial thing. And I gave her the word of God. I said, you can have freedom in Christ. And she sat there pondering it over for a few minutes. And then she said, I cannot. I said, what do you mean? You cannot give your fights and your wars away and accept Christ. He says, no. What shall I then otherwise do? People are like that. They like to fight. Unfortunately, we can't do anything for them. Only Christ can. You see, he says you lust and you do not have. That's inside of people. They, they've got this fight inside of them. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Look at James chapter 3 verse 14. He says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Where is this bitter envy? It's inside of man. It's the inside war that they have. And I'll tell you one thing, that inside war that you have will manifest itself to the outside. At some stage, you will find somebody to have a quarrel with. I see it so often, people drive down the motorway, and for some reason, they think you've cut them off. And what happened? It's a Jekyll and Hyde situation. When they came past you, they were smiling. Now you go past them, and there's enough space, you go past them, and all of a sudden, you see the other side of them. And you see the shouts, and, and you, I mean, you can read lip reading, okay? You can know what they say, some words. But it's in the inside, and it boils over. James chapter 3, verse 16. For when envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Every evil thing are there. You see, the principle of sin is selfishness. That's the principle of sin. It's all about myself. 
And this is dangerous because it leads to wrong actions. He says you murder and you covet and you cannot obtain your fight and your war. That is what it leads to. Secondly, it rings to wrong prayers. Wrong prayers. People who pray wrong prayers. He says you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You may spend it on your own places. Friends, if you pray wrong, your whole Christian life is wrong. Think about that. You say, is it possible for me to pray wrong? Of course it's possible to pray wrong. He says it right there. You get so many people who just pray for themselves. Oh Lord, if you do this one thing for me, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. No, you won't. No, you won't. No, because it's about you. Not the will of God. And this is just true. People who are at war with themselves is always unhappy people. You can see them. They always walk around with a chip on their shoulder. Unhappy. Ungrateful. They never enjoy life. Because it's all about the next person or the next thing that has done me in. And instead of being thankful for the blessings they have, they complain about the things they do not have. Do you know that you've got a lot of blessings where you sit here today? Have you realized? I know you have got a lot of things that other people, you haven't got, you haven't got a lot of things that other people do, that you envy. But you've got so much to be thankful for. So much. The fact that you are sitting here well dressed this morning is just one small thing. The fact that you have got a mental capacity to smile, to communicate is a small thing. So many things. But yet, I want more. Lord, I want what they've got. Somebody's successful and you go, nah, I can't have that. I want to have that. And you are chasing that line so far that it's destroying you from the inside out. And you see, you can only be a hypocrite for a small time because once it starts to get rotten on the inside, it starts manifesting itself on the outside. It's like an apple. You see the beautiful apple there, but you don't know there's a worm on the inside. You don't know. Come on, it's happened to you as well, hasn't it? You take that apple and you polish it. Have you polished an apple before, some of you? It's a beautiful red and you polish it, man. Somehow you think, if you're going to polish this thing that you can see your image, it's going to taste more sweeter. That's how people think. You polish it and you go. A little bit more and it's going to taste so sweet. Janelle, and then you go. And you sit there the whole day. You spend time on this thing and effort on it. And then the time comes. Man, you are so ready. And you go, hmm, just one more. And you take a deep, deep bite into the, and as you bite through, you bite right through that worm. <laughs> has it happened to you or is it only me? What's your first reaction? You go, oh, mm, mm, that's good, mm, protein with it. <laughs> no, no, no. What's your first reaction? Come on, you go, you spit everything and then you get some water. I mean, it's already washed out with the first spit, but you can't, it's in the brain. You meet somebody and on the outside they look so beautiful. They're lovely people. And then you just upset them once and what happens? That old rottenness comes out and you go, ah, oh, that's a bad taste. 
Friends, we're not, we're not pointing fingers because we all stand guilty. We all do. It's wrong prayers, he says. They cannot get along with other people because they're always envying something they've got, wanting to have that. And you know why we're at war with ourselves? You want to know why? The sole reason this world is at war with its other world, nations, and so on, is because we are at war with God. That's where the key lies. We're at war. First of all, it's war amongst each other. He says, you've got these infights in the churches, and, oh, I'm going to blow myself and take my bat and ball and walk. And then, you know the bat and ball story, do you? Let me tell you the story. There's this little boy who played with his bat, and it's his ball and his bat. And whose rules is it then? His rules. So now we play, and he says, if you bowl me out, I get a second chance. Oh, no, that's an unfair rule. We all get one chance. Well, I'll take my bat and ball and I'll walk. So no, you see, and then there's this inside war that we have with ourselves, but the reason for those wars is, is because we're at war with God. James chapter 4 verse 4, he says, adulterers and adulteresses, he talks about both. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, when he says the world here, he doesn't talk about the trees and the beautiful sea and the rocks and everything. He talks about the world system of people. That's what he's talking about. And what the world develops. That's what he's talking about. He says here that we're at war with God if we are friends with the world. We declare war with God is when we are friends with the enemies of God. The world is the first one. The world, verse 4, he says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? If we make friends with the world, we make friends with the enemy of God. That's how clear it is. And we see a clear path here of being a friend of the world, pulling us away from God. It's very clear. The Bible is direct with it. First, we begin, become friends with the world. Verse 4. First, it's just friendship. And then we get spotted in the world. James chapter 1 verse 27 talks about this. He says that our lives is approved by the world. In other words, that you live a life to the world standard that the friends, your friends in the world is happy with you. You say, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, we're happy with this compromised Christian life that you live now. They spot you in the world. That's what it means, that word. First you was a friend, but now you are spotted. You do what the world do, and then it leads to loving the world. Friendship and love is two different things. Have you noticed? You can be friends, and then there's a different level you go to that's when you love it. And this is where the next step is. 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 talks about it. He says, do not love the world. John writes that down in 1 John chapter. He says, Or the things of the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, it's a different step. Not only friendship now. And then we conform to the world. That's the next level. Romans chapter 2 verse 12 verse 2. He says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be renewed in the thinking of your minds. And then what happens? If you are conformed to the world, you will be condemned with the world. 
not me saying it. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32. You can go and read that. So we are at war with the world. The first one is we make friends with the world. Second one is the flesh. Believe it or not. Verse 1, he says, They do not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members. Do not become so friendly with your flesh that your flesh is everything you live for. Have you seen these people who live for everything is for their flesh? They live to satisfy themselves. He doesn't say hate your flesh. No, no. But if you become so that everything is... Have you seen this? Look, I've got nothing about weightlifting because I lift a few weights as well. But you get people who just do that for the love. Man, they can stand an hour in front of that mirror. Yeah, man, that looks good. Is that guy checking over there? Yep, yep, let me just walk a little bit further. Yeah. <laughs> but there is just one level you go to. Just one level you go to where it becomes more than God. He sees it right there. Verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5, For do you not think that the Scriptures say in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? For what? For the things of the world. The third thing is the devil. If you become friends with the devil, you've got enmity with God. Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Now, listen, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Some people don't want to resist him. Can you believe that? Because they love what he gives them. And if you love what he gives you, you become an enemy with God. And if you're an enemy with God, you will have a fight within yourself. And if you have a fight within yourself, you will have a fight with people. Can you see that? It's clear as daylight. And this is what he says. This is what he says. Now the question is now, how do we fight these wars? How do we do that? First of all, we submit to God. That's how you fight it. You submit to God. Chapter 4 verse 7, he says, Therefore submit to God and give no ground to Satan. No ground to him. That word there for submit is a military term. It means that you need to get into your proper rank. I was in the army and I understood how it works. Okay, so in the army you've got a foot soldier and he reports back to a corporal. When the corporal comes around and you are as a foot soldier there, he can shout to you, he says, Hey, you, run to that tree and get me a leaf. Guess what you need to do? You obey the command. You run. And then the corporal reports back to a sergeant. Now, if the corporal walks past there and the sergeant stands there, he says, Hey, you corporal, run and go and get me a leaf. Guess what happens? The corporal runs. And then the sergeant reports back to a staff sergeant. And the staff sergeant to the lieutenant. Now, if a corporal walks down there one day and he sees the lieutenant there, and he goes, hey, you lieutenant, run! Is he out of line? Of course he is. This is what that term means. It means get into your order. You're not above God, you're not above man. Humble yourself to God. That's what he means there. That's the first step of doing that. And then he says, do not... In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27, neither give place to the devil. 
You see, friends, there is some people who are sitting and the devil has got space in their lives. It's like a hook that you throw in when you fish. And he's got this hook sitting on you. And he lets you go. He lets you swim in your own strength and everything. And every so now and then he, he tempts you just by pulling you a little bit. He gives you a tuck and you go, oh yeah, I, I really love doing that when I was a sinner. Let me do it. Just Nobody's going to know and see. He gets a little bit of a hold of you. And now he says, resist him. Resist him. And then, secondly, we draw near to God. Draw near to God. Verse 8, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. How we do that? We confess our sin and we ask God to cleanse us. This is how you fight these wars. Because this, dear friend, will set you right with God. And if you are set right with God, He will set your life right and He will set your fellowship with other people right. And then finally, He says, humble yourselves before God. Submit to God, draw near to God, humble yourselves before God. Verse 9, lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. He will lift you up. Friends, I can talk another hour about God, how He lifts you up if you humble yourself before Him. The one whom you serve will promote you. Listen to me. I end with these words. The one whom you serve will promote you. If you, pro if you serve the world, the world will promote you. You will get promotion in the world. They will make you feel good. The devil will love that. But their promotion is temporary. If you serve God, doesn't matter where you are, He will promote you. So the question this morning is, are you a pacemaker or a peacemaker? <laughs> Are you a peacemaker? And friends, I'm telling you, you know, I say it so often times, I preach this word, it also cuts back. It's a too sharp edge to its sword. I'm not standing here judging. I'm not standing here saying that I'm perfect preaching this. The word of God is a hard word. Do you want it otherwise? No. But here it is. There is three wars going on in the world. One is with people, one is within, one is with God. If you set yourself right with God, you will have fellowship with one another. Let me read the final scripture verse which just came up in my mind. If I can find it fast. 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> I'll end with this verse. Praise the Lord. Once you are set right with God, you will have fellowship with one another. Um, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. This is Jesus. The life was manifested and have seen and be witness and declared to you the eternal life that was with the Father and manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. Listen to this. That you may have fellowship with us. That which we have seen. Who did they see? Jesus Christ. What did He do? He came to this earth to forgive us our sins. To make peace. 
between us and God. That's what He came to do. Then He says, In which you have seen her declare to you that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. What is He saying there? He says if you have fellowship with the Father and you and I are brothers and sisters, we have fellowship with one another. If that fellowship is broken, this fellowship will be broken. I've seen it so many times in my short life. If you're a child of God, people who served with you, God, they were in you with church, they sang hallelujah with you, sin entered into their their lives, that fellowship is broken, then that fellowship gets broken. Be a peacemaker. That's a mature Christian. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, this is truly a mirror. It is a word that we can look into and then reflect, Father. And Father, then if we convict it, we confess. Not to one another, Father, to you. Because, Father, if we're at enmity with you, we need to confess to you. And we ask you, Lord, to forgive us if we're at war with you. Help us, Lord, to be conformed to you, Lord, renewed in your minds to you, Lord. Help us, Father, to be content with you.